Welcome to Sobriety Unleashed, the podcast that helps you master sobriety and change your life. I'm Simon. And I'm Ellen. And today we're talking about when should we question our drinking and do we need to hit a rock bottom before we do? And this is a question I get all the time from people that I work with. And I don't know about you, Simon, I didn't actually hit what I felt, felt was a rock bottom moment. But that's always because I'm comparing myself to other people with their drinking. When I was drinking, I was around other people who drank the same if not more than me so I always felt it's fine I'm not as bad as them and it was just a case of I didn't like the control that alcohol had over me what about you did you have a rock bottom moment no there were lots of regrettable moments and behaviors but there wasn't a rock bottom as in I ended up in prison or in hospital or anything like that and there was a lot of kind of risky behavior where I could have ended up injured or harming myself or harming other people but I've sometimes thought to myself would I have been better to have a rock bottom episode not that I encourage them but it's a huge slap in the face from the universe that tells you it's time to make a change and I was in this place that you just described for at least five years where I was constantly comparing myself with other people's drinking to try and make myself feel better about my own. I would avoid reading anything in the newspapers or on social media about the dangers of drinking. I just didn't want to see it. And it's called confirmation bias when we do that. We just seek out what we want to hear. And obviously it's a really dangerous behavior because it can keep us stuck. So I didn't have a rock bottom and I get asked the same question as you, like, when do I need to stop? When's a good time to stop? Do I need to wait for this rock bottom moment? And personally, I think the sooner we listen to the warning signs and start paying attention, even when they're small warning signs like conflict with our partner or noticing that we're becoming emotionally disconnected, that's when it's time to start really taking notice. And we're going to share a few of the most common warning signs today. So what were the warning signs you noticed in your own journey? Well, for me, it really came from a place of wanting to be healthier. I came from a fitness background. I was into yoga. I was into exercise. I was a personal trainer. I thought I was eating well. And it was really, as we had Melissa on the uh, previous episode, it was really being mindful of my drinking, taking a break with it. And it wasn't that sobriety was my focus. It was that my nutrition was the focus. And I took a break and it was suddenly... I became mindful of the effects that alcohol was having on me. It took me a long time. And people have asked, have I relapsed? I never see it as a relapse because I didn't have a rock bottom moment. I kept on going back to alcohol because I was a normal drinker. But over time and being more mindful of it, I would see that the normal drinking would get back to a bottle of wine a night. Um, And the effects that it had, I hated. So coming at it from a health perspective, I had high blood pressure, I had high resting heart rate, and I could see very, very clearly, it's it's good on a scale, literally on a scale, I could see my blood pressure come down, my resting heart rate come down, the bloating go, my sleep would be better, yet I would go back to it. But becoming more and more mindful of those and, and having a look at them, that really helped me to make the decision to stop once and for all. Yeah, totally. And I had many health concerns myself. Although I didn't actually experience health problems, I was constantly worrying that if I carry on drinking like this, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, I think we can adopt a mindset of it will never happen to me. And I think that's also really, really dangerous. My big thing was 
realizing that I was putting alcohol in front of the important people in my lives. And I hear that time and time again. And I think that's a really good measure that it's time to start looking at this behavior when alcohol is more important than your partner, your kids, your friends, your colleagues. I assume you realized you were probably doing that too. Yeah. And that came with hindsight as well, actually. After I got a few months of sobriety um, under my belt, I stopped and looked back at how I had been with the kids. And in fact, my daughter had been last week to go and see um, an Olympic gold medalist swimmer talk. And then she had the opportunity to go with him and train with him as her coach. And somebody asked me, would you have done that? Would she have had that opportunity if you were still drinking? And the answer is no, because I had to take her to the pool at nine at night. Um, I had to get her to the pool the next morning. I would never have done that. I put alcohol before her, before, you know, her finding her inspiration all the time uh, and with the other kids as well. And definitely with friendships, with relationships, with work, yeah, with career and focus, I always put alcohol in front. And I find that a lot with people that I work with as well, saying that suddenly once they remove alcohol, people that they work with notice that they are so much more productive in their workplace. It yeah. really, I don't know if you've experienced that with people you work Completely. with. Completely. And I think the other thing that you mentioned there, particularly around our children, but what can actually be worse than not showing up is when we do show up. So you take your daughter to the swimming but actually you feel resentment because you can't drink. And then you're holding this inner resentment and anger towards your daughter that you feel awful about. You don't want to feel that way, but you just can't help it because she's causing you to be deprived from alcohol. So cutting alcohol out of the way just removes all of this stuff. You become more connected and you don't resent it. You enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're showing up as this stable person. The kids know which version of you they're getting because they get one version of you. And that it was never like that before. They didn't know I was grumpy in the mornings from lack of sleep. Um, I'm not like that now. It's a much more stable version and it's a safer environment for them. Yeah, completely. My experience with my son was exactly the same. And I think one of the big kind of warning signs to look out for to really notice that it's probably time to start questioning your relationship with alcohol is if you are feeling more irritable kind of grumpy experiencing regular hangovers maybe feeling like there's this constant fog that just won't shift which it was amazing a few weeks after I quit it was like this fog actually cleared in my mind and everything went from being black and white to full color high definition it was like somebody had switched the lights on just was an incredible experience Yeah, absolutely. And I see a lot of people who self-medicate with alcohol who don't realise that they're doing it because it's not a conscious thing. It is just that that's the way that we've been programmed. We've been programmed if you're sad, you drink. If you're happy, you drink. It numbs all the emotions. But actually, underlying can quite often be true depression, true anxiety that they're using alcohol and stress that they're using alcohol to medicate. Yeah, and that can be a danger because if we're covering that up then we can never truly deal with it truly treat it and there are some cases where people stop drinking and actually the true anxiety and true depression come to the surface but for me that's actually a gift because then you can see what you're dealing with and then you can do something about it whereas alcohol just clouds everything you can't really work out who you are and what you've got going on but some people fear that they fear that if they remove alcohol they're going to find out something about themselves they perhaps don't want to know and it'll all just be too hard 
Yeah, um, using alcohol as well to um, to shore up relationships. It's very easy to just keep on drinking and not think about things. Uh, and as soon as you remove alcohol, you have to face up to the facts. Are you depressed? Are things around you good? Are you in a job that you love? You remove alcohol and you find find out the truth. But yeah, hitting rock bottom or using rock bottom can be a really dangerous game to play. Because as I say, with comparison, what is rock bottom to people? It's always easy to compare. And I have seen this firsthand of people being in rehab and still saying, I'm not as bad as the people next to me. I am not as bad. They have lost their friends. They have lost their family. They have lost their wife, their children. So using rock bottom, it's interesting to know what is rock bottom to people. Yeah, absolutely. And that state of denial is is such a painful place not only for the individual but for the people around the individual who can clearly see there's a problem something needs to happen something needs to change but all the while that someone's in denial they're, they're going to stay stuck and everybody stays stuck which is why eventually people leave they move away they can't handle it any longer and it's so sad to see that happening and I suppose rock bottom is different for everybody. Some people, it might just be, well, I say just, but they might have an accident in the car after they've been drinking or get pulled over for drink driving. Whereas other people may end up in hospital, they might end up in rehab, whatever it is. But I think over time, we get greater slaps from the universe. They start off pretty small, just perhaps some regrettable behaviour, sending a text message that we wish we'd never sent or sleeping with somebody we really shouldn't have. And then they get worse and worse and worse and bigger and bigger. And it will keep on slapping until we finally pay attention. You know, things like, you know, your partner leaves you, they take the kids, whatever it might be, or somebody does pass away. Yeah, it's a dangerous game to play to compare. And I don't quite know how we catch people sooner and ask them to question their relationship. For me, it was definitely taking that break and becoming mindful of my drinking. You were talking about questionable behaviour. And I look back on my drinking career and it started when I was about 13. I mean, it started earlier than that, but my true drinking career started when I was about 13. And in the UK, the Alpha Pops had come out and I was drinking on the streets with my friends. I don't know where my mother was or what she was thinking, but that's what we did. And the behaviour and the situations that I got myself into, just thank God nothing really serious happened. But now I've got a 13 year old daughter and I think, my God, I don't want her to go through the same kind of thing. Um, but questionable behaviour as you get into adulthood, what is it that then makes you question your relationship with alcohol? Yeah, exactly. It's scary. And you start thinking, wow, if my kids follow this same path as me. I mean, regrettable behaviour before we talk about what causes you to question your relationship with alcohol. I was trying to think of one piece of regrettable behaviour to share because there's a lot. And maybe some of them I'm not ready to share yet. But I can remember going out with a friend in Liverpool and we'd been to a burger bar and got a burger and he'd stolen this um, Johnny English played by Rowan Atkinson six foot tall cardboard cutout and he was carrying it down the street and we crossed a dual carriageway and he was so drunk he fell flat on his face with this cardboard cutout in the middle of the dual carriageway and he, he wouldn't move and I had to drag him across this dual carriageway oh before a goodness. car hit him it was it was kind of funny because there was this cardboard yep. cutout of Rowan Atkinson there but when I look back on that I mean he could have died we both could have got struck by a car and it's just frightening and it is that, you know, that should be a moment where on reflection you start thinking hang on a minute you know alcohol is causing me some problems here but 
he didn't reflect. I didn't reflect. I carried on drinking for another 15, 20 years after that. For me, it was when I saw an article on the news about the health impact of heavy or daily drinking. And I usually did what you said. I usually stay away from this stuff. I compare myself to other people. I don't digest anything negative about alcohol because it will scare me or worry me. And then I won't be able to have my beloved wine. But this time I listened and I paid attention and that was when the seed was sown. And I think the answer to your question is the moment we start really looking at our drinking is when that seed is sown, when we move out of a place of ignorant bliss and we become aware. Anyone listening to this podcast is probably very likely to already be aware that they're looking at their relationship with alcohol. Maybe something needs to change. Maybe they're not quite ready yet, but that seed is definitely planted. And once it's planted, you can't go back to ignorant bliss. You've got to keep moving forward. And it's a really uncomfortable place to be. And I was in it for nearly 20 years because I questioned my drinking and the control that alcohol had over me. That's what I really didn't like. I'm a control freak, really, in every other area of my life. Yet alcohol had complete control over me. I just couldn't just have one. I couldn't say no if someone offered me a drink, a cold beer or a nice cold glass of wine. I could never say no. And I could never say no to one. And then it led to me drinking more than I wanted to put myself into situations that I didn't want to be in and feeling hungover and not being the best version of me. And I don't understand why it had the control over me for so many years. And it was really uncomfortable place to be. And it wasn't until I was like, enough's enough that it felt freeing. And I felt at peace for the first time. Yeah, I'm a control freak. And I actually explored this through my therapy, why I need to control everything, why I can't be okay not being in control. And I've been doing a lot of work around it. And I did an experiment with my wife where I gave her control over every aspect of my life for a week. She chose what I wore, what I ate, where I went. Oh, it was wonderful. It was so nice to know that I didn't have to be in control of anything. And actually, since doing that, I now notice when I'm trying to get in control or fighting for control over something. And I'm able to, I'm not perfect, but I'm able to be a lot less in control than I was. And it's the same as drinking, isn't it? You have to bring about an awareness of a particular behavior in order to start addressing it. It all starts with awareness. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds an amazing experiment. And I was talking to people about control and letting go of control. And for me, I started indoor climbing when I gave up drinking. It was something I always wanted to do. I was too scared to do it. Didn't want to make a fool of myself. I had no confidence in myself. And the indoor climbing, I love it. I absolutely love it. I went up that wall. But the thing that I realized is I like to have control over everything. And all of a sudden I had somebody else was in control of making sure they lowered me to the ground safely. And letting go at the top of the wall was the biggest difficulty for me. I could, I still, I have to ask two or three times, have you got me? Have you got me? Are you sure you've got me? You're not going to let me die. But learning to let go of that control, it's freeing. It is freeing. Yeah. And I just think it's one of those behaviours that, along with many others, that we start paying attention to them when we haven't got thoughts about alcohol chewing up all of our mental bandwidth we have space in our minds to actually look at what's coming up and whether we are being really controlling and how it's impacting us because being overly controlling inevitably then leads to feelings of anger frustration resentment anxiety potentially disappointment and all of those can then lead to other unhelpful negative behaviors or conflict yeah and 
somebody that I was speaking to was saying about she wasn't sure that she was ready for this whole journey of self-development that so many people talk about when they give up alcohol but it's as you say when you take alcohol away it opens the brain space you have all this clarity where you can start to undo all the layers and see what it is that's been holding you back or because when you're using alcohol you're just numbing everything yeah it just keeps you well and truly stuck and as we said before I think it was on episode one. It's not really about alcohol. Alcohol is the effect, not the cause. And everything that comes with an alcohol-free lifestyle, it's not really about what's in that bottle. It's about what it opens up for you. You're absolutely right. Another reason people start questioning their drinking is when they notice that they're drinking most days. Now, I drank every single day, bar probably four or five occasions over the two-decade drinking career. How often were you drinking? Yeah, every day. And apart from the breaks where I was doing my whole 30, it was always going back to every day. That elusive thing of being able to moderate, I wasn't able to do it. I don't know many people that can. So I would start off saying, well, I'm only going to drink on the weekend. I'm, But my weekends would turn out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I would be back to everyday drinking. Same as you. Yeah, and I think it's a really good idea for people who are getting curious about this, starting to explore it, to really honestly ask themselves, am I drinking more now than I was one year ago, three years ago, five years ago? And look at the data, look at what it's telling you. Don't ignore it any longer. It's time to start facing into this stuff. And for me, obviously, I was drinking every day, as were you, regardless. But the half a bottle of wine from five years ago had gone up to a bottle, a bottle and a half, two bottles. Did that happen with you? Yeah, it was the amount. But also, I've really noticed when talking to people that the pandemic had a real difference in the amount that people were drinking. All of a sudden, taking our routines away, people said they noticed their drinking creeping up and creeping up. And it would get earlier in the day. It would get more often. The amount would be more. uh, And the pandemic was really a time that people stopped and looked at their drinking. Yeah, I think it's really had an effect. I was looking at some stats earlier, actually, and alcohol related deaths in the UK are 20% up in last year compared to 2019. And I wondered how much of a part to play the pandemic had on that. Yeah, it's not just the, um, the isolation was it well, loneliness, obviously, is a massive trigger for people, but people losing work, um, the stress of the pandemic. And I wonder what the sales looked like of alcohol in that year. I bet the drinks manufacturers are rubbing their hands together. Absolutely. They won from that pandemic. Yeah, without a doubt. One thing you said about the whole 30, which is a 30 day break, a break to help with nutrition and emotional eating. Obviously, you don't drink when you do that. But I realized that the thought of a break when I was drinking just felt completely impossible. And I think that's another sign. If you actually ask yourself that question, honestly, you know, if I was to take a 30 day break from drinking, how does that feel? And and your answer is it's impossible. I think that is a big sign that you need to take a look. How did you do it, though? If you were drinking every day, you must have been really motivated. I was. Well, I mean, weight loss was a big thing for me to start off with. I'll be honest, it was all about vanity to start off with. Um, But I knew that there was an end to it. But that actually, it didn't do me any favours in the end, knowing that there was an end to it and I could start drinking again at the end of the 30 days. I realised I just kept on getting back on this cycle. Oh, I'll moderate. It's going to be okay. Alcohol doesn't affect me that bad. It's not the alcohol, it's the food. That was what I always told myself. It's the food I have an issue with. Well, actually, no, it was the alcohol that I had an issue with. 
Um, so knowing that there was a, a an end to it helped me, but the first 10 days were crap. And you say about, yeah, if you ask yourself, can you give up for 30 days? Most people wouldn't want to give up for 30 days. Most people wouldn't want to give up for 10. Um, so it leads me back to most people do have an issue and should be questioning their drinking, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. Most people I speak to, 30 days, you know, you might as well have said to them, I don't ever want you to drink again. And it, it puts the fear of God into them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That a, that's a big sign. It's a big warning sign, as is when your social life completely revolves around alcohol. I think that's another thing people should look at and ask themselves, well, how often do I go out socially and it doesn't involve alcohol? I mean, you're rock climbing. That's a social thing that you do. Alcohol is not involved. I went and played football for a Sunday league football team yesterday and got kicked all over the place, but it doesn't revolve <laughs> around alcohol, although they were drinking in the bar afterwards. Yeah. And same as the climbers, they often offer a beer at the end of climbing. I'm just like, no, thanks. I don't drink. Um, which they always laugh at because I'm the English person there and they're like what you're turning down beer but yeah I'd certainly noticed that drinking was my hobby that I was doing and I suddenly with that break and that awareness I stopped and looked at who am I what am I doing now and the answer was oh, yeah it's all about alcohol there wasn't one thing I wasn't doing without alcohol and I think a, a key strategy in this that can really help people is like what if you made sobriety your new hobby imagine that what would happen actually ask yourself what would happen if i made sobriety my new hobby and throw yourself into it get motivated get determined and people i think we should address this on another episode but people often say well how do i get motivated how do i get excited about it and i think that all comes with understanding what you're going to gain from it it does and I often say that I think people also become addicted to recovery. Recovery is like, it's a term I use, but it can be from, if you're only drinking a glass of wine a night, you're still recovering you, recovering the old you. But people become addicted to it. it and it's such a good addiction. You start connecting with people. You really start to look at yourself, who you want to be, how you can become that. And the self-development that comes from that, it is a great addiction to have. I think you have to be careful because I've seen people who become addicted to certain aspects of sobriety, like reading self-help books or alcohol-free drinks, and they become really obsessed with it to the extent that actually they're using that to avoid feelings and emotions. And I think Melissa said that about sugar as well when she was on the podcast. But I think as long as we're being really mindful about it we can make it like this new super healthy hobby that we've got every reason to get excited about I often say to people if you knew what you were going to get from an alcohol-free life you'd be excited like a kid on Christmas Eve you really would but the the downside of sobriety is you don't get to see the gifts for a little while they don't all come at once no, I do think that's why taking a break from alcohol and wording it like that to yourself saying, I'm going to take a break and see what happens, because alcohol is always there to go back to. It's not there's not necessarily a relapse. It's just OK, I'm going to it takes me a while to see what the benefits are. And if I go back to alcohol, do I lose those benefits? It is an experiment. Yeah, it really is. And I think certainly me and it's 
definitely the same in your experience from what you've spoken about. I think there's a period we go through where we're looking for this magic switch that will just stop us drinking or some kind of shortcut to sobriety. And the reality is you have to put the work in. You've got to educate yourself. You've got to start gently practicing what you've learned because it's like learning a new skill or or a new language even. And then it starts to get really, really good. But there is a a trade-off that you've got to do some work to get there you have and I there is a quote that I absolutely love and I tell it to my groups all the time doesn't matter how far down the road you are you're still only the same distance away from the ditch so with sobriety you are only ever one choice from going back to that old life so you you do have to do the work and you have to be motivated all the time to the life that you want because it would be so easy for any of us no matter how far we are down our journey to to go our sod it and go back to that and it is uncomfortable to start off with there is no doubt but there's no such thing as overnight success those overnight successes are are made by work and hard work and discipline um and it's going to be uncomfortable for a little while but it's worth it yeah and that's the big thing it's absolutely worth it and we've talked on some of the other episodes about what you gain when you stop drinking and hopefully that will give people motivation so if you haven't listened to those definitely check out those other episodes because they might make you feel all the more determined hopefully that gives you some insight into when and why you should start looking at your drinking behavior and we'll look forward to seeing you again on the next episode very soon see you soon